One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. He's an Air Force veteran and father of three. He was fit, he was good looking, he had a social life, he had it all. He lived for these kids, always trying to teach them different things, always motivating and encouraging them. On a night out with friends, something goes terribly wrong. They had their friend downtown at one point, and next thing they know, he's gone. We're looking for a needle in the haystack. We don't have anything to go off of. How could we possibly lose an entire person? Security video seems to reveal his last known moments. And here's Michael. Wow. And the appearance of strangers only deepens the mystery. The first thing our investigators were thinking is somebody's not telling the truth. Leaving loved ones grief-stricken and without answers. The kids miss their father. They miss them every single day. Saturday, March 5th, 2016. A clear, dry afternoon in Lancaster, California, on the edge of the Mojave Desert. 36-year-old Michael Van Zandt is having lunch with his three children, Keaton, Jaden, and Kylea. I think he was born to be a father. He, he was fantastic. He lived for these kids. He was always trying to find different things to do with them always motivating and encouraging them. Michael and the kids have just gotten back from cheering on his middle son, Jaden, at a basketball game at the local YMCA. Being a father, he took very seriously, given the fact that we had grown up without a lot of male stability. Michael's parents divorced when he was two, and he was raised primarily by his mother, Robin. He grew up with two brothers and a stepbrother, more than 2,000 miles from Lancaster, in Pleasant Lake, Michigan. It was a great place to grow up. With the lake, we had a lot of activities to do, from boating to fishing, lake sports. As a boy, Michael was enamored with the military. So it wasn't a surprise to his family when he enlisted after graduating high school in 1999. He loved the military life. To go from basic training in Texas to Korea and Japan and, and 
really gave an opportunity to see things that we only talked about at that point. Sort of launched chapter two of his life. That chapter soon included starting a family of his own. We met on Yokota Air Base in Japan in January of 2000. We were both from Michigan, just about an hour and a half apart from each other. So that's when, you know, we kind of hit it off there. They married in October 2001, when Michael was 20 and Crescene was 18. By 2006, they had three children and had been transferred to Edwards Air Force Base near Lancaster. He served for 12 years. During that time, he did two tours in Iraq. He wanted to be in the action. He wanted to go overseas. And so it wasn't just a job. You know, he really embraced the lifestyle. In 2011, after 12 years of military duty, Michael chose to leave the service and got a civilian job with the Air Force in the military equivalent of human resources. He was great at his job. Yeah, he was. And he had a lot of fun doing it. It didn't take long for us to become friends. During the next few years, Michael and Crescene realized that though they still cared for each other, they'd grown apart and decided to end their marriage. They formally separated at the end of 2014. It was kind of a mutual separation, a mutual divorce. So we both quickly learned to just kind of separate our lives and to develop a good relationship as co-parents. We were able to still talk on a daily basis, especially when it came to the kids. We were in constant communication. Michael moved into an apartment just a few miles away from Crescene and their children. And while his divorce wasn't yet final, for the first time in 15 years, he was effectively a single man. And it was difficult for him. He's now mid-30s. It was a lot of question marks around, am I too old? I have three children. Who's going to date me? Dealing with rejection and dealing with, you know, self-esteem issues and trying to figure out the best way to go about this whole new dating scene that he, you know, wasn't a part of for so long. In July 2015, he met 24-year-old Monique Nethercott. We met online and we talked for a couple days and then went on our first date. He had me laughing the entire night. We had this like undeniable spark when we first met and that helped in our relationship of being able to be friends first and foremost. Monique was probably Michael's first girlfriend, I guess you'd say, following his divorce. I think early on, he was really excited that she was so into him and they had a great relationship. Though there is a 10-year age difference between them, they had one especially important thing in common. We both had children. He was loving towards my son just like he was with his own kids. When we went boating and stuff like that, he loved to, you know, take him with him on the tube or wakeboarding or whatever it was that he was doing. But despite the feelings they had for one another, after a few months, Michael put the brakes on their romance. We were seeing each other until about December, and then we separated and remained best friends from there. Tim and I talked about it a little bit, and he told me that he cares for her, but that he wasn't ready for a relationship. You know, our separation was still very new. I think Monique had a special place in Michael's heart, but I also think that he was still trying to find his way. Living in an apartment 
while sharing custody with Crushane of their three children, also weighed on Michael. That was one of his biggest worries when we decided to separate, was whether or not he could afford a place on his own, a nice place. He didn't want his kids growing up in a small apartment, <laughs> you know, in bunk beds like we, like we did growing up. In early 2016, Michael learned that he was approved for a mortgage on a house for him and his children. He planned to move in at the end of March. After more than a year of personal upheaval, things appeared to be turning around for him. I remember him saying he was really happy that he did it all on his own, that he was able to bounce back, that he now had a home. He was looking forward to just starting a new chapter, starting fresh, and doing something that was for him and for the kids. On that Saturday afternoon in early March, Michael and his children finish up lunch together around 3 p.m. Afterward, he drops them off at their mom's house. Michael has plans with Jamie, a friend from work, and some of her friends, to watch a series of mixed martial arts fights that night in Hermosa Beach, about two hours south of Lancaster. I invited Mike, like, the day before, on Friday at work. I was like, hey, we're going down. You're more than welcome to join us. Mike was so charismatic and energetic that he was really, really easy to bring around new people. He was so much fun. An hour later, Michael is on the road to Hermosa Beach to meet Jamie and her friends at a local bar. During the drive, he chats with his brothers, Tyler, who lives in Baltimore, and Charles, who lives with their mother in Michigan. He actually loved UFC. It's one of his favorite things to watch. He definitely was excited about it. Michael also speaks with his ex-girlfriend, Monique, who is in Las Vegas for the weekend. He wanted to hear about what we were doing and kind of what our plan was for the night. In Hermosa Beach, Michael leaves his car in the parking garage of the Quality Inn Hotel, where Jamie and her friends have rented a room to share so they won't have to drive back to Lancaster that night. At approximately 7 p.m., he Ubers to a bar called The Underground to meet up with her. She's been at the bar with her friends Kyle, Mary, and Randall for a couple of hours. Everyone's in a good mood, and Michael wastes no time in catching up. He's hilarious. We were sitting underneath a television, and he's grabbing at the fighters, um, pretending to grab them on TV. When the fights end around 10 p.m., the group decides to go bar hopping and gets in line outside a bar called American Junkie. But Michael soon grows restless. Michael, who hates waiting in line, God forbid he has to stand still. He tells Jamie that he's going to the liquor store next door to use the bathroom. It all just seems so normal, though. You know, this, like, I'm going to go next door. I'll meet you guys over here. Like, we had a plan. What Jamie doesn't know is that this is the last time anyone will ever see Michael Van Zandt again. He said he was going to use a bathroom in the liquor store next door, and he'd be right back. After a few minutes, Michael doesn't return. Jamie and her friends decide to leave the line for American Junkie and go to a different bar. And then I texted him a few times, called him a few times. It was going straight to voicemail, trying to let him know that we were at the other bar. 
literally right next door. Like, they all share walls. As Jamie and her friends continue bar hopping, she remains on the lookout for Michael, but he never shows up. It's not unlike Mike to meet a group of people and kind of dip out or disappear. I assumed he met a girl or ran into someone he knew. As the hours pass, Jamie continues to call and text Michael and becomes increasingly frustrated that she can't reach him. I hated that it went straight to voicemail. It was driving me insane. And it was so weird that his phone was off or dead or whatever, you know, all night. When the bars close at 2 a.m., the group heads back to the Quality Inn and sees Michael's car still parked in the hotel's garage. But he's nowhere to be seen. So then my heart sunk when we got home and he wasn't there. By the next afternoon, Michael still hasn't shown up or contacted any of his friends. I just had a bad feeling. There's something about that morning. Jamie drives back to Lancaster, her concern growing. Once home, she begins making one phone call after another. I spent most of Sunday calling local jails in case he got picked up for doing something dumb and hospitals in the Hermosa area. I was desperately hoping that he was in a drunk tank somewhere. None of the calls yield any clues to Michael's whereabouts. Later that evening, Jamie goes to his apartment to see if he made it home without telling anyone. But his car isn't there. She bangs on the door. There's no answer. Jamie isn't the only person trying to track down Michael. His ex-girlfriend Monique began texting him earlier that day from Las Vegas. I figured his phone was dead. I texted him again about three and a half, four hours later when we had gotten home from Vegas, and I said, did you lose your phone? So I tried to call Michael on Sunday, and it went straight to voicemail. The next morning, Monday, March 7th, his son Jaden is scheduled to have oral surgery. Michael is supposed to bring an insurance form to his estranged wife, Crescene, but he never shows up. I started texting and calling him, and his phone was going straight to voicemail. And I didn't think anything of it at that point. I just thought maybe he was out and didn't charge his phone. From the dental office, Crescene reaches out to both Michael's brother, Tyler, and Monique. She said, hey, are you at Mike's place? And I texted her back and said, no. So I said, okay, do you want me to swing by his place and see if the paperwork was anywhere or see if he was there? And she said, yes. So I went there and his car wasn't there and nothing in his apartment had been touched or rummaged through or anything. Crescene calls Michael's office at Edwards Air Force Base and the news is ominous. They said he didn't show up to work, which was completely out of character for him. He, as far as I know, was always on time to work and definitely wouldn't have just not shown up without making a phone call. That was the real thing that told me that there was something going on. Not long after, Jamie also calls into work and Michael's boss says he still hasn't come in. He said he hadn't shown up yet. But he also said, why are you looking for him? Because Crescene just called me, and so she's actually trying to find him too. 
And that's when I was like, this is for real, for real. So I told him, I said, Mike is missing. I'm not coming in for a while. I have to file a missing persons report. Jamie reports Michael missing in Kern County, where he works. She then speaks with Crescent and tells her what happened Saturday night in Hermosa Beach. His loved ones are growing increasingly worried. Okay, this is not right. We need to kind of figure this out. So yeah, I spend a lot of the day trying to work with Monique, Crescent, go back and forth to figure out what he was doing that night. In the meantime, Monique decides to drive down to Hermosa Beach to see if she can find Michael. Her first stop is the Quality Inn. I saw his car was locked. His common access card, which is what he uses at work on the base, was where I could see it. So I knew that he had to be around Hermosa somewhere. Monique goes straight to the police department. They have a detective come out and talk to me and I tell him all the things that I know and we really want to be on top of this. And basically the detective told me he's not a child. So in this instance, he's an adult making his own decisions and we cannot treat it as a missing persons report until he's been gone for X amount of time. It's not the response Monique wants to hear. I felt really defeated driving home that I was going home without him or without any kind of answer or sliver of hope that we're gonna know where he's at. In Lancaster, Crescene summons her strength to tell the kids what's going on with their father. Telling the kids that their dad was missing <laughs> was one of the worst things I've ever done in my life. Even though we didn't know, you know, what was going on, I had a feeling that it was bad. Michael's family and friends all take to social media that afternoon and evening to spread the word that he is missing. Very quickly, their posts go viral. His story spread like a wildfire. I mean, instantly, it felt like the entire country had heard of his story. It was trending on Facebook within hours of finding out he was missing. Michael's brothers, Tyler and Charles, made plans to fly into Southern California the next morning. The four people closest to Michael are now on a mission. Turn Hermosa Beach upside down until they find him. How could we possibly lose an entire person? On the morning of March 8th, more than two days after he went missing, Michael Van Zandt's brothers, his estranged wife, and former girlfriend head to the Hermosa Beach Police Station and are met by one of the detectives. He had come outside to talk to us, introduced himself and told us that we understand your concern. Now that you have not heard from him for a couple days, you know, we really need to get cracking on this and figure out what happened to him. Detectives lay out the game plan for launching an investigation. We contact all of the local agencies in Southern California. That's law enforcement, that's hospitals, that's any government agency you can pretty much come up with. We started to check the area that he was last seen in and start to see if that would send us in a direction that we might be able to find him. I had mentioned 
to them that we probably would need to check the water. They said that that would be tough to do without anyone having reported him going into the water. Pretty frustrating. You have to kind of trust that they know what they're doing. We put up flyers pretty much everywhere possible. We talked to some of the businesses where he went that night and then even surrounding businesses to see if they might have remembered anything. But no one they talked to remembers seeing Michael. Investigators know the first people they need to speak with are the four friends Michael was with that night. A detective starts with Jamie. He started talking with her, finding out who Michael was with and the last time they, that he was seen. Jamie recounts the evening exactly as she had in the missing persons report. Within a day, the detective also speaks with two of the other friends, who each corroborate Jamie's account and provide no new leads. To trace Michael's whereabouts, investigators obtain his cellular records and examine the time and location of his phone pings. The cell phone records indicated that uh, Michael's phone last pinged on a cell tower that's in the downtown Hermosa area at about 9.45 p.m. And then it went off. That coincides with what Michael's friends and family say. After 10.15 p.m. on Saturday, none of them could reach him by phone or text. The police also have one more source of potential evidence. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? 
I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Security cameras are mounted throughout Pier Plaza, where most of the bars are located. Hermosa Beach has its city-run surveillance system that covers the Pier Plaza area, which is the area that Michael was last seen in. We check with the area businesses, which also have surveillance. If they can identify Michael, somewhere in the hundreds of hours of video, maybe they can determine where he went after separating from his friends. Meanwhile, as Michael's loved ones continue handing out flyers downtown, Desperate plea for help tonight from the family and friends of an Air Force veteran who disappeared on Saturday night in Hermosa Beach. Local news outlets begin to cover his story. All three of the major news stations came out down to the beach and interviewed us, so those stories went pretty much viral. There's just an immense amount of love, love for him. A lot of people are looking for him. Michael's friends and family say they hope the flurry of news coverage will lead to a breakthrough in the case. Somebody is going to see it and say, oh, I remember that guy. I remember him kind of walking around, or I remember him being in trouble, or something that would give us some sort of insight of what happened that night. The next day, March 9th, four days after Michael disappeared, Investigators finally get lucky when they spot an unexpected encounter on the security video from Pier Plaza. About 11.45, somebody that looks like Michael meets up with somebody that looks like Randall. Randall is one of Jamie's three friends who Michael hung out with before he left the group. So now it's about 11.42 p.m., and there's a guy that looks a lot like Michael. Then we see a guy who sort of looks like Randall. And this guy walks over to where we think Michael is, and he hugs the guy who looks like Michael. They talk for a while, and they head uh, eastbound towards Hermosa Avenue. And they have a group of people that we don't know. So now we have about a half a dozen people, and about four or so that we've never seen before. Now, the case has a new focus, Randall and the unknown group of people. We have to identify and see what locations they went to. It opened up a whole nother uh, segment of the investigation. Because the group is seen heading east out of Pier Plaza, away from the beach, the police suggest that Michael's loved ones concentrate their canvassing on the east end of town. 
At that point, your mind shifts to, who are these people? Maybe that's the reason why he, he was separated from Jamie and that crew, is that he, he did run into somebody else. Police finally have a solid lead, but there's one problem. Despite repeated attempts to reach him, Randall isn't returning their phone calls. Maybe there's a reason why he doesn't want all this information out there. The new security footage gives Michael's loved ones renewed hope that the case may be about to break. We thought, you know, maybe he left with them. He could be with somebody else right now that we have no idea who it is. Two days later, on March 11th, detectives finally connect with Randall and ask him about the night out with Michael. Randall, for the most part, had the same story as uh, Michael's other friends and detailed the night almost the same. But Randall doesn't mention meeting Michael later that night with the unknown group of people, as the security video appears to show. The first thing that investigators were thinking is, is that somebody's not telling the truth. This is not matching up with what was being said. On Saturday, March 12th, seven days after Michael went missing, the lead detective works late into the night, analyzing the security footage, enhancing the images frame by frame, to determine with complete accuracy whether it is indeed Randall and Michael with the unknown group. And after doing that, he determined that this, in fact, was not Michael and Randall. This was some other people that just happened to look like them. They weren't dressed slightly different. Randall's story was exactly what Randall said his story was, so he wasn't a suspect. But the elimination of the video is deeply disappointing for Michael's loved ones. We all thought when we saw this group of people that he was with that, you know, we can find them and we'll find Mike. But that was not the case. That was a tough moment. You had no leads again. Uh, it was really a tough time to figure out what, what to do next. The detective suggests they now concentrate their search at the other end of Pier Plaza, where the beach is. Fearing that Michael may have somehow ended up in the water, his loved ones scour the shoreline from both the ground and the air. Michael's younger brother, Charles, spends a day combing the sand with a metal detector. Tyler and Crescene hire a helicopter and search the coastline north and south of Hermosa Beach. I think in the back of our minds, really, we were both looking for a body. So when we didn't find a body, obviously that was, that was good. But again, we were nowhere. We were getting nowhere. While Tyler and Crescene search from the sky, Monique uses the scanner app on her phone to monitor police radio frequencies. And she suddenly hears a startling alert. A man fitting Michael's description has been found wandering around, drunk and disoriented, in nearby Manhattan Beach. Ran to the car, and we're trying to drive to where they said he was being picked up. Oh my gosh, this could be it. This could be the moment, you know, where everything changes. She jumps in her car and drives towards the location. But her hopes are dashed before she arrives. When we listen to the scanner and they keep describing him and we realize that it wasn't him, you know, I think we all felt really defeated. We thought, finally, we have an answer and we were shot down. 
Michael's loved ones continue searching up and down the coastline, near Pier Plaza where he was last seen, but find nothing. We spent just hours and hours and hours of searching the beach looking for his keys or wallet or shoes, you know, anything that would give us a sign that he was near the water that night. Even though no witnesses saw Michael go into the ocean the night he disappeared, his loved ones say the idea that he did haunts them. Mike loved the water. <laughs> and he particularly loved the water when he was drinking. One time we were on vacation in Hawaii, and after drinking for several hours in the dark, he went swimming in the ocean. It was pretty scary. Michael's brother Tyler also had a similar disturbing experience with him. The last time they saw each other, two months earlier in San Diego. We had went and had dinner in the hotel lobby, and I had to get to bed because I had to get up early for a golf tournament. Michael stayed in uh, for drinks. Get a knock on the door, and Michael is in his underwear soaking wet without any of his possessions. He said he went swimming. After Tyler helped his brother get dried off and dressed, Michael went back outside to retrieve his clothing, cell phone, and wallet from the beach. He returned about a half hour later. He's soaking wet again. So we had a big conversation about swimming and sort of playing with fire. After you've been drinking, the Pacific Ocean is nothing to mess with. In the second week following his disappearance, there's a significant development in the police investigation. They positively identify Michael on the security video and are able to construct a complete timeline of events for everything that happened that night on Pier Plaza, including Michael's last moments before disappearing. The five friends are gonna start walking to the line at American Junkie. And this is Mike, and that's Jamie. Soon, Michael left his friends to use the bathroom in the liquor store next to the bar and is recorded on their video. Here's uh, Michael, and he's walking alone towards uh, Robert's Liquor. So now he's walked inside, and he'll be in there for about a minute. Unable to use a bathroom in the liquor store, Michael then made a simple, but ultimately critical choice that permanently separated him from his friends in line at American Junkie. Here's Michael coming out of the front door of Robert's Liquor. He's actually gonna hang a right, and he's gonna walk alone to the corner of the bank, and he's gonna hang a right and go southbound on Hermosa Avenue from there. And the group is still here waiting in line. Yeah, they didn't obviously didn't see him walk out and walk that way. Police speculate that Michael was looking for a restroom, but during the few minutes that he was gone, his friends decided to leave the line and go to a different bar. They missed seeing him by a matter of seconds. So Randall just left the line at American Junkie. As he starts to walk away, Michael is actually turning the corner right now, walking back toward the line, and here's Michael. Wow. It's almost like they're exactly the same time with the same pace. Exactly. Randall left the frame right as Michael enters the frame. 
So now Michael's going to look around. He doesn't find his friends. And he's going to start looking for him. For the next several hours, his friends are captured on security video as they bar hopped around Pier Plaza. At one point, Michael went back to the liquor store to buy a small bottle of whiskey. And police see on the store's security video exactly why he never responded to his friends' calls and texts. You can't see the screen when people look at their um, cell phones on video, but you can see it light up. He actually takes his cellular phone out and tries to operate it, and his phone will not light up, which indicates to us that it's inoperable probably from a dead battery. Security video on the plaza reveals that as the night progressed, there were several instances when Michael and his friends came agonizingly close to crossing one another's paths. Here's the group of four. They're walking right past where they had originally been in line at American Junkie. Here's Michael. This is him. He was... What? Seconds behind him. Seconds, what, yeah. 50 feet, yeah. 75 feet, give or take. So close. He doesn't realize they're here. They don't know he's here. He even heads in the same direction as them, but apparently never sees him. It looked like he was just looking for his friends. I mean, he was doing circles almost on the Pier Plaza. The last glimpse of Michael, revealed by security footage, is at 11.27 p.m. And he's walking alone. Walking towards the beach. Yep. Even if Michael did go in the water that night, his family says they find it hard to believe that there isn't any trace of him or his belongings on the beach. Typically would have put his phone inside of his shoe and make sure everything was protected, put it in a pile, and just went and jumped in. And it's just really surprising to me that a body hadn't washed ashore. Tyler researches the weather and ocean temperatures for the day Michael disappeared and learns that the water was rough and the currents treacherous. The Coast Guard said that the current could have taken him actually further back out into the ocean. So there's a lot of question marks on whether or not that's the answer. 11 days after he disappeared, Crochane and Tyler take Michael's children out to dinner for a night of normalcy to counter the stress of their father being missing. But while they're out, Tyler gets an alert with the news they've all been dreading. A body may have just been recovered at a nearby marina. The Coast Guard always said that if a body is going to wash up, it would happen near the marina. I think that was the first time where I really thought this could be it. At the Hermosa Beach Marina, near where Michael was last seen, divers are trying to fish what appears to be a human body out of the water. They have you know, the beach police, the fire department, they have boats, they're doing sonar. I thought, okay, this is it. Hours pass slowly. And then a media contact notifies Michael's brother Tyler with news that's both a disappointment and a relief. They actually shut the search down that they never found anything, um, which was crushing. I mean, it was really hard to hear that it was potentially marine wildlife, a, a seal, a whale, a dolphin. After almost two weeks, Michael's inexplicable disappearance and the numerous fruitless searches that followed 
are taking a heavy toll on his loved ones. It's mental fatigue, it's emotional fatigue, it's physical fatigue. You feel helpless because there's no new leads. A few days later, a depleted Tyler spends a full day walking the coastline alone. I walked until I couldn't walk anymore. And just kind of sat there for a while and really had just a moment where I was like, you know, this is all, this is all I got, basically. I decided that my time on the ground is not effective anymore. At the end of March 2016, a little more than three weeks after Michael disappeared, the police informed Tyler and Crescene that while the investigation remains open, there is little else they can do. His quote was, all proactive measures have been taken, um, which is, wasn't surprising to hear. It's just disheartening. Crescene and Tyler decide to close up Michael's apartment and store most of his belongings at her house. Monique spends one last night at Michael's. It was really hard pulling out all of his clothes and folding them and, you know, getting them in piles. And it was just really heartbreaking. It was terrible. We didn't know if he was going to come back and, you know, come back to an empty apartment or if we we're moving it out for good. During the months that follow, several false alarms surface that continue to raise and then burst the family's hopes. Bodies wash up along the coast, but none of them are Michael. A hit on his checking account turns out to be a fraud attempt. His family acknowledges the most likely theory for Michael's disappearance. If he went swimming when you're drinking, it's not a good combination. And so my thought is that he probably drowned and the currents took him away from the shoreline. Um, that's the conclusion I have to wrap my head around because we all have to come to some sort of conclusion. Um, theory two is that he's out there in the world and you have to maintain that hope. In August 2016, Michael's brother Tyler moves from Baltimore to the Hermosa area. The biggest purpose of me being here is to, to be there for his children Definitely can't replace their dad, but to, to have somebody that looks out for them, that can carry on that side of Mike's family. He's the closest thing to their dad, you know, and I think they realize that and they bond with him, they look up to him, they respect him. You know, the kids are doing really good. They're incredibly resilient. I don't think most of us would have gotten through it as good as we did if they weren't so strong. But they miss their father. The biggest part of losing that was that, like, future stuff, just, you know, driving for the first time, graduating high school, that was going to be harder stuff without him, you know? If you have any information about Michael Van Zandt or his disappearance, please contact the Hermosa Beach Police Department at 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.